Welcome to the Veterinary Business Matters Podcast brought to you by Oculus Insights. Here we will discuss topics related to veterinary business management. From small to large animal, this podcast strives to give you the insight and tools to help you improve your veterinary business. Oculus Insights, supporting businesses where great people want to be. Hi, it's my panel of Oculus Insights. and just uh, have a very special podcast today with Bob Magnus, one of the uh, founders of Oculus Insights. And Bob is really into finances and is doing a great job working with some of our clients that we manage to help them with some of the U.S. government assistance. I think you're going to like this podcast. Even if you're not from the United States, there's some really good advice just in general in terms of how to manage your cash flow, things that you need to look to to help you uh, come out of this uh, pandemic, out of this crisis in a better uh, shape later on. So without further ado, let's uh, welcome Bob Magnus to the Oculus Insights podcast. Hi, and welcome to another of the Oculus Insights podcast. I'm Mike Pownall, and this is all part of our COVID-19 Veterinary Resilience Guide. I'm joined today by Bob Magnus. Bob is uh, one of my partners at Oculus, and Bob loves chasing and finding money, and he loves uh, getting into those systems of how can we help with our cash flows. And so we had a podcast with Bob and, and Sheila, also from Oculus, a couple of weeks ago. But this one, I asked Bob if he'd come on, and this is mainly for our U.S. audience, but talk about some of the federal programs that are available for veterinarians for the COVID crisis. So welcome again, Bob. Well, thank you, Mike. It's uh, great to be with uh, everyone on a very changing period in our time. So uh, yeah, let's jump into it. So Bob, let's review some of the programs. So far as my understanding is, and you can correct me as I'm wrong, is the, the big main one is we'll go through the, the programs just so we know the names of everything. And then we'll go into the detail and the specifics of them. The first one would be that Paycheck Protection Program. There's the Economic Injury Disaster Loan and Emergency Economic Injury Grant. That's a mouthful. There is the Employee Retention Credit. And then also there's the Delay of Payment of Employer Payroll Taxes. So, Bob, we'll go into each one of these together, but vet practices are looking at it. You know, businesses slow down, trying to keep staff on. What should be some of the thinking that goes into planning for uh, going after one of these uh, support mechanisms? How should veterinary practice owners evaluate what they need and how they're going to go about doing it? Great question, Mike. I think the first thing you need to do is look at what's happening in your area because we're going to make some generalized statements in today's podcast and different areas have different challenges. And the number one thing that we worry about our sales or our revenue and do we expect or do you expect in your area that you are going to drop 10 20 50 percent in sales the goal of this program is called the cares act corona aid relief and economic security act is to try to infuse cash flow to support everyone so we can get through this period of 8 10 12 weeks or maybe more As a practice, what you want to do is look at your financial statements and look at what your costs are to keep your doors open on a monthly basis and to look at those core expenses you have and then look at what you project or think is going to happen down down the road. And to do that, what I would strongly recommend is you really work hard and build a team. 
um, to understand what's going on, especially with these federal programs. And then what you'll start to see here in the in the weeks to come are probably some state economic relief programs as well. And so kind of two key people that you need to really have on your side is your local bank and also your tax advisor, your accountant. And those folks have to stay very, very current because this uh, these different offerings change over time. So as you look at it, you have a, a certain number of fixed costs in your business, and you need to have so much cash per month to keep the doors open, and what does that look like? So that, to answer your question, Mike, that's where I would start when I look at my own practice. Well, I'm just going to put a plug into the Oculus Insight scenario planning tool that is going to be released on Wednesday, April 15th, which does exactly that, allows uh, a practice or, you know, on an oversight level, not to the fine details of putting in, here's our revenue projections, here are our costs, and what happens to our profitability if our revenue goes down lower than we expected. And that, that gives uh, a practice a pretty quick and simple way of saying, this is how much money we need. Yeah. And there'll be more information on that coming up, but it's going to be an online portal. You just go in there, enter a few numbers, and it gives you a good oversight. But the detail will also come from your accountant, too. Let's check into a couple of these, though. So I guess the biggie and the one that everybody has the most questions, and we're recording this on Monday, April 13th, and a lot of people have a lot of questions about this. So this is a timely discussion. Let's talk about the Paycheck Protection Program or the Triple P. Talk about that then, Bob. You bet. So in this, in the CARES Act, um, you know, we have $2.2 trillion. And of that, $349 billion were allocated to small business, uh, businesses that have less than 500 employees. And the focus is to, again, help keep people employed and keep the cash flow running uh, internally for each practice and each business so they don't go out of business. And it's set up for small business and it also can be used if you're a sole proprietor as a single practitioner or as an independent contractor as well. And what that program does is it takes a look at your fixed costs and your payroll costs and creates a loan for you at a very, very nominal interest rate of 1% that if you meet the criteria, then that can be converted into a grant, meaning it could be free money to help put uh, influx cash flow and keep your people employed at your practices. So kind of breaking it down into kind of three simple buckets, it's based on payroll and all your payroll expenses. It can be used for mortgage interest, rent and utilities, but it also has some guidelines in that program as well. And what's important is that you follow those, those guidelines to hopefully end up into the loan forgiveness component of that program. So what we've been telling clients is take a look at that, apply for this program, and look at it as a true loan. And then as more details come out on the forgiveness side, making sure that you set yourself up for the opportunity for the loan forgiveness. You need supporting receipts. You need detailed tracking. Some people recommend actually putting that money in a separate banking account. It's not 100% necessary that you do that. But what that program does is it tries to give you the cash flow from February 15th through the 30th. But what they're going to do when you start to apply for the forgiveness, we'll call that the grant part of it, it's going to ask you how you spent the money and to have you show those supporting receipts. Are you retaining employees? Are you adding new employees? At a minimum, the money that's given in that loan, you have to have 75% of that go to payroll costs. 
And that's an important part of that program. So 75% of whatever loan they give goes to payroll. The other 25% you can use on rent, utilities, what have you then. Yeah, absolutely. And they're defining more of that um, as the days um, march ahead. But worst case scenario, it's a loan for at a very, very low interest rate that uh, you can pay back uh, at any point. There are no prepayment penalties. You have delayed payment of those loans. So it's really a nice program and a very f- quick fix of influx of cash into your business. So a couple of questions with this program. So if you have already laid off employees, are you still eligible to apply for this? Can you use the proceeds then to rehire people back? How does that work? Yes, you can. So what's important is that what the government would like to do is try to keep everybody employed. And in the process of going through this, you can apply for this at any point in time now. It's open for both small business and for independent contractors or sole proprietors. And you can jump in right away. And it's important to, if this is something you're interested in and you feel that it benefits your practice, to jump into it now because it's over a period of time and you want to get yourself into the line and into the queue for this amount of money. Some of the questions I've just been looking at, uh, some of the comments on various Facebook groups, and you know, some people are saying, you know, I've gone to my bank, they don't seem very receptive to this, or they don't have, you know, their act together. Do you have to use your own bank, or can you use another bank? What is your recommendation on that? Yeah, well, what's happening right now, if you think about the process, and let's talk about the process that I think will then come around and answer that question, Mike. This whole loan program has gone through the Small Business Administration. And what has happened is they have put all the implementation on all the banking system. So in essence, you apply through a bank, the bank approves your loan, then submits it to the SBA for final approval, and then it comes back and the money is put in directly into your checking account. Now, again, there's paperwork and things that go on in between. But in the process, the local banks that have a large SBA part of their portfolio, of their loaning portfolio, are the most efficient. And they're really working hard and they're they're streamlining things. We have several of our clients right now that have already received the money in their checking account. So that's, it's been a nice, uh, it's been a nice addition. What I've been talking with the different banks and the different CFOs is that most banks are working directly with clients that they currently have, and many are not accepting new clients. So a new uh, relationship with the bank is possible if the bank has the capacity and the resources to accept new customers. But right now, the recommendation for sure is to work with your your regular bank. And you can apply um, online through many of the banks, uh, directly through their portals. You can also download the documents and actually send these directly to your, your local banker, and they will help you to process the loan. Excellent. And so the other thing I've been hearing from people is that they're worried that the money will run out. So you said there was $349 billion, I think you said it was, of funds available. So now there's this mad rush. And I know people are frustrated because either there's delay in the system, their bank is not set up for it yet, they're working on it, but then they're going, what happens if the money runs out? Any thoughts on that? It's just estimates and guesstimates. But from what we hear from, from Washington is that if the funds run out, they have 
they're trying to put things into place to add more funds to it. That's a guess, and that's a guess. But uh, Steve Mnuchin came on and publicly stated that last Friday. So I think if you have the Fed chairman and the folks in in the Treasury working to try to keep that cash to keep these businesses open, I think there's a good likelihood that it won't run out. Uh, my recommendation to our clients has always been go ahead and apply Get the, get the process moving forward. The final part of the process is signing the documents. And if you decide that you do not want to do this, then you don't sign the do documents and you don't sign the loan. So my recommendation is you go for it and then you look to see if, if everything fits into place. So yeah, I would, I would uh, suggest that any clinic that is looking at some pretty tough times ahead that you go ahead and apply for the PPP or the Paycheck uh, Protection Program. Great. So let's move on to the tongue twister, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan and the Emergency Economic Injury Grant. And from my understanding, is those are just quick infusions of cash that you can bring into your business. Uh, yes, and that's correct, Mike. They always like to put acronyms. So you have the EIDL and the EIDG. One's a loan and one's a grant. The Economic Injury Disaster Loan is often used for those people. There's no forgiveness to that loan. You pay it back. And it's for someone that uh, you know doesn't have any employees. The Economic Injury Disaster Grant is a $10,000 grant. And there's also another program called the Employee Reten uh, Retention Credits. And so what I would suggest is that you don't get too excited about applying for everything because as they're putting all the final pieces in the detail, even though the, the CARES Act was a, you know, a huge document, a very complicated, long document, think about your strategy of what you want to do. And let me just share a couple ideas with the group. I would start first by looking at all of your expenses, as we discussed at the beginning. Defer any payments that can be deferred. You can go to your bank. A lot of banks will do interest-only payments on any debt or any mortgages. Some will actually have no payments at all for a period of time. I would then look at applying for the things that are true grants, and then finally look at the, at the loan options. We don't have enough information to really go after a lot more grants or loan options until all of these things kind of sort themselves out. So what I would suggest to the group is to really go focus on the uh, Paycheck Protection uh, Program first, then talk with your economic advisor, your CPA, your banker, and look at the pros and cons of the um, disaster loan and the disaster grant because you can't double dip. And so you have there are restrictions going back and forth. And we start looking at things like the employee retention credits. You have to have a decrease in sales of over 50% to be able to even apply for that. There's some devil in the details where you really have to look when you start looking at these other programs, where in contrast, jumping in to the payment protection program, really, I don't see a downside at this point in time. Okay. And so the last one to talk about, and this is an interesting one, is the delay of payment of employer payroll taxes. Yes, and there are a lot of different tax relief options that um, that are in the CARES Act, and I am not a CPA, folks, and you definitely want to go through this item by item with your, your local accountant. They are the true professionals. But when you look at um, the options that you have, we know that um, on the personal level, you don't have to file or, or pay your taxes until July 15th. 
They're putting in more what we call carryback losses, meaning deductions into personal and business tax returns that go back to 2018, 19, and 2020. Um, the delayed payroll tax payments are a benefit as well as all of the unemployment benefits. But as you jump into those, get on the horn, talk to your accountant and say, what's in my best interest? Because Still, at the end of the day, it's great to defer your taxes, but you still have to pay them. Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking at where you are, some practices, it may be better to be proactive and pay things as they have done in the past. In other practices that are having significant financial trouble, you've got to look at, okay, at some point in time, you're going to have to pay these. And also remember, for those practices and individuals that do an estimated quarterly tax payment, those don't go away. They're just delayed. So if you receive a grant, if you receive the PPP, remember, you still have to pay those other items. They're just delayed. Right. So it looks like the government has done a fairly comprehensive job of, of offering support. I'm, I'm calling from Canada and we have our own systems and I know our colleagues in Europe, their own countries have their own systems too. So maybe we can talk a little bit of economics on this because I know some of the questions, you know, again, when you lurk around enough Facebook groups, you get a sense of what people are thinking about this. And some people are like, why is the government doing this right now? I mean, yes, businesses are in trouble and this is a lot of money that's going to a lot of these businesses, but is this necessary now? And what are the potential long-term ramifications to that, to our economy? So I think the U.S. government has done a really nice job in trying to infuse cash into the system. But as we all know, if you take a loan or you get something for free or partially for free, at some point in time, it's really not free. And at some point in time, this has to be paid back. So the downside of all of this is that we have to pay it back. And that means ourselves as individuals, that means our kids are the next generations, and it goes on to our debt, our national debt. So that's really the downside, I think, as you alluded to, Mike. When I look at the overall strategy, I think the short-term strategy of what they're doing is smart. It can get us over the hump. It can keep people employed, which then just continues to fuel the economy. If you did nothing and you had complete economic collapse, it would take many, many years to try to get us back even close to the state that we were before the COVID-19 pandemic hit the United States. Yeah, I think the, the the mentality everybody has, the phrase they're using is they're putting the, the economy into a deep freeze, but we need to sort of support life systems while it's in the deep freeze. And when, when the health authorities say, hey, we can start opening up the economy again, and we have no idea how long that's going to take, the attitude of, of supporting employees actually came from Denmark, was the first country to do that, to say the cost of finding new employees is so disruptive to a business. It's going to make the business harder to run afterwards because you're training new people or you can't hire the people of the skill set you need. So better to invest to keep your employees now so the transition to a more normal business cycle is is a lot less uh, onerous down the road, and hopefully it's not too long a time. One additional comment is that whenever you are in a crisis situation, I think any veterinary practice can look into the mirror and look and say, what are the things that I can improve on? So I try to help people 
take a look at this as an opportunity to streamline systems, to improve what you're doing as a practice so that you can really come out of this, this pandemic in a better position um, and a stronger position for the future. So we try to look at these things as opportunities and as, as practitioners, we run around oftentimes like chickens with our heads cut off and we can't get to things that we want to do because we don't have the time. I would suggest uh, to any practice that you look at the things that you've always wanted to do or the systems that you want to try to fine-tune those and make them more efficient and put things in place so that as the economy gets back in the, in the gear, which it will happen, and we will all come out of this together, hopefully sooner rather than later, but we will come together, that you guys are in a really good position as practices to take advantage of that. There are always winners and losers in any crisis situation, and I think how you approach it managing your cash flow like we talked with some of these government programs and then how you manage the operational systems in your practice during the same time are crucial. And I'd like to kind of leave you with one really important thing to look at when it comes to taking advantage of things that can help your business and that's to start looking more at your own state legislature and Congress they are starting to look at incentive programs to help businesses at a state level. So in this discussion, we've talked a lot about the federal program, which is huge. Also look at your states because they're going to start rolling out different opportunities that may help your business or may help your employees. Wonderful. Bob, uh, I know you're really busy. We're all busy right now. I know because you're working with a lot of our clients and, and going through this process. So the information you've had is firsthand. So that's really appreciative. Uh, just remind everybody about our veterinary resilience guide for veterinarians to help veterinarians get through this and be in a great position. So when it's over, you can excel. And so the it's veterinaryresilienceguide.com. I'm sure we'll be talking about this, I'm sure again, because there's such a dynamic flu situation that we may find out next week there are other programs or other restrictions so uh, i'm sure we'll be talking again about this bob thank you very much thank you and my best to everybody we're going to get through this i'm confident at oculus insights we care a lot about animals but we also care about the health of the veterinary profession our goal is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success